May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Good morning and welcome again to Church of the Cross. Today, as uh, you may have sensed already, is a day of great significance, about to celebrate the, the baptism of 14 different children. That's a significant thing for all kinds of reasons. In addition to the baptisms of Benjamin, Isaac, McRae, Claire, Ruthie, Teo, Kiria, Nat- Natalia, Ivy, Jules, another Benjamin, another Isaac, Jacob, and Sam, it is also all saints. All the baptisms, all the saints, all in one place, Sunday, 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 at Church of the Cross. <laughs> now, All Saints, in its own right, is a significant day. But it's a day, I think, that for many of us maybe holds a little bit of mystery, depending on the tradition we grew up in and that sort of thing. What I want to do in the few minutes we have together this morning before the baptisms is just unpack All Saints for us in such a way that might help us better understand the day. Oh, I, I'm getting something here. Um, But more than that, more than just unpack the day, actually like hear the good news to which this day points for us. Okay, and we're going to do that. We're going to unpack this day, the good news that it points to, in a a way that I think you'll be familiar. We're going to use the five W's and the one H. If you've ever read Richard Scarry and Busy Town, the who, what, where, when, why, how, that song worms its way into your brain. In a few moments, we're going to go through the what, the who, the why, the where, the when, and the how of all saints. We're going to connect those to the passages from Scripture that we just heard read. So let's jump right in. We're not going to take those in the, the Richard Scarry order. Uh, we're, we're not people under law, as it were. Uh, so first, the when of all saints. The reading we just heard from Mr. Grasmick, from John, uh, from Revelation chapter 7, describes this remarkable vision. It's a vision given to a man named John, and it's a vision of heaven in many ways. But Revelation is not primarily a vision of the future, as many of us read. Yes, there's information about the end, but the whole focus of the book of Revelation is, in fact, about revealing present but hidden, unseen reality, revealing what's hidden and unseen so that God's people can faithfully live in their present circumstances. Now, the when of all saints— On one level is November 1st, or as we celebrate today, the first Sunday of November. But much more significantly, the when of all saints is the present. It is now, whenever now might be. Yes, all saints is about remembering the saints of old, right? People dressed up, remembering their faithfulness, inspired by their example. But The reality that All Saints points to has present significance as well. It's an unseen, unrecognized often, reality about what we currently are living in. The reality we mark on this day relates to your life today. All Saints is good news for us now, today. So that's the when. Second, the where of All Saints. When John received his vision that he recorded for us in Revelation, he was captive on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea. He was a prisoner of the Roman emperor. He was in exile. In every way you can imagine, marginalized, forgotten, locked up, key thrown away. He's off the great stage, away from things would be happening, you might think. But even here, this old man, living on this sequestered island, 
the testimony of the book of Revelation is that the Spirit of God met him there, that drew him there into this grand vision that has power 2,000 years later, has significance for us. The where of the reality of all saints is anywhere. Anywhere that the Spirit of God could be said to be at work. Anywhere where you and I or the people of God might find ourselves. The significance of this day finds us here, today, in this place. Relates to where we live, where we study, where we play, where we sleep and do the humble things of life. The reality of this day impinges on every place the church might find itself. I've been reading this series of books recently, just kind of like lighthearted, fun reading. Uh, the book uh, is, the, the series is called Slow Horses, and the book that I'm reading is called Slow Horses. It's the first book in the series. And these are spy novels. And the slow horses are British spies who have messed up in some significant way. And for whatever reason, they can't be fired exactly, but they're shoved off to the slow house where they, they don't do real work and they can't do real harm. As you can imagine, they're not too happy about it. They're out of the seat of power. They're marginalized. But the books, as the series goes on, right, adventures find them and they band together and all this kind of stuff. Well, it seems to me that many of us live with a sense of being a slow horse, right? Among the thoroughbreds. You're like, I'm just plodding here. My life is tucked away, hidden in the slow house. Um, I can't keep up. My life does not unfold in any significant kind of way. But the reality of all saints is that all people, wherever they are, the great, the small, the thoroughbreds of holiness, the plotters like ourselves, are bound up in the reality of this day, celebrated. It's right there in Ephesians chapter 1. All things under the feet of Jesus, right? That means everywhere is potentially the work, uh, the place of the work of God. Switching the handle? All right, let's do it. We'll Phil Donahue it. I'll, uh, I'll hold the cordless mic. Whew. All right, so that was the where. The when, the where of all saints. The what of all saints is our third category. This will fill out some of the picture, I think. John's vision in Revelation 7 is this awe-inspiring picture, right? Worship around the throne of God, these martyred masses, this great multitude. It's this awe-inspiring picture that he struggles to find the words for. And I want to focus us on this great multitude, a people beyond numbering, he writes, from every tribe, people, and language. What John is seeing there is what we are marking today. It's what we can share in. The communion of saints, as we'll say, as we normally say during the creed, as we'll confess at the baptisms. A company of people wooed and won to the worship of Jesus, the most high God. In his book, Lament for a Son, philosopher Nicholas Wolterstorff reflects on this heavenly reality. This idea of this great multitude as he grieves the death of his son who was taken at the age of 25. And as he thinks of Eric joining this throng, he can't help but wonder about the differences of culture and language, the differences of even hygiene and etiquette. He loved computers. Eric loved computers, he muses. How might he have communion with someone who can't even conceive of a computer? There's a certain mystery to the what of all saints. 
to what John writes of in Revelation. Beyond numbers, beyond words. Yet the reality to which this day points is of this great host of people through time. And as John names, right, comprised of people around the globe, different cultures, languages, ethnicities, undivided in their worship of Jesus. How it all works? Mysterious. But the reality of an undivided people around the throne worshiping Jesus. This is good news for a world as estranged as our own. I want to specifically focus on the good news of continuity and belonging. Belonging not to a specific family or tribe, but to this global, through history, multitude, across space and through time, bridging life and death. Early Christians worshipped in catacombs, among the dead, precisely because of this conviction, that the communion of saints is not ruptured by death. That our union with those who are in Christ does not end with our death, with their death. Those departed in Christ remain united to us and we to them. And that goes all the way back and all the way forward into eternity, continuously. Such a reality can't help but reframe our lives, our questions, our concerns. I've been listening to the band, The War on Drugs. I don't know where they got that name. Uh, but on one of their songs, they sing this refrain. We're all just walking through this darkness on our own, over and over. And in the song, they ask the question, is life just dying in slow motion? In the context of that aloneness, that insecurity, the, the song continues, I need some time, I need control, I need your love. There's this aloneness, this fundamental individuality there, this fundamental insecurity. The reality of all saints, the what of this day, fundamentally reorients these kind of experiences about mortality, our perspective on it, about our individual lives, as it reminds us that our days, our individual walks might be situated in something much greater than ourselves where our individual lives are situated in something that extends back through history and forward into eternity. When we're reminded that we do not walk alone, but that we're carried along in a crowd of witnesses, belonging to this great unending multitude. I realize that's all perhaps a little bit abstract. And so in hopes of grounding this a little, let's move to the who of all saints, the who of all saints. Each week at this table, we at Church of the Cross celebrate the Lord's Supper. At a certain moment that you'll experience in a bit here, we, we talk about in the, the liturgy of the table, lending our voices to those of the angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven. That company of heaven, that host is what John witnesses in Revelation 7. He's given this glimpse, this human and angelic multitude drawn up in the praise of God, the praise of Jesus. That's at all times offered in heavenly places. When we begin our worship, we are entering into a worship service that is already underway. And the idea is, is that our humble gathering with noisy kids and hungry stomachs, with one eye on like the afternoon's television and the week ahead, is in some mysterious way, true way, 
a participation in the great worship service that John witnesses. That when we lend our voices, we're caught up with the company of heaven. And beyond what occurs here on Sunday morning, that our lives, your life, is bound up with John's on Patmos, with St. Paul and St. Teresa of Avila, with Frederick Douglass, Dorothy Day, and C.S. Lewis. That list is kind of like a greatest hits, right? It's a, it's a murderer's row of saints, if you'll allow that connection. But the who of all saints is you, can be you and me. And not because you and I might one day get our act together quite enough, we might attain to that level, but on account of the grace and the power of God. Our gospel reading today has Jesus blessed the poor, those who hunger and weep, those who are hated and excluded on account of him. There are all kinds of implications to Jesus' words there. But what I want to emphasize for you and I this morning is that what we see there is those who are not normally blessed are blessed. And those who are normally on the margins are brought to the center. And for people of wealth, of means, living in the greatest luxury society the world has ever known, Jesus' words here offer real warning and challenge. But they also suggest the radical invitation of God's kingdom. You are invited. Come as you are. You are drawn in. The who of all saints might be you. Today, Jesus invites you and I, slow horses that we might be, into sainthood. Invites us to be made saints by the same gracious power that raised Jesus from the dead. Today, Jesus calls you to not let wealth, comfort, or entertainment now keep you from the treasure of belonging to Christ's great multitude of saints. The, you, the who of all saints can be you. How? How might I, might we find belonging in this great multitude? This is for me the key question. This is the how of all saints. And we've got 14 baptisms to get to. So I'm not about to lead us into some extensive metaphysical digression. I'm probably not qualified to do so anyway. I want to keep this very simple. The how of all saints, both at the macro metaphysical level, and the micro level of our lives is the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one that Paul writes of far above all rule and authority. By his power, this great multitude across space and time is held together. And he is the one through whom you and I have any hope of being made saints. It is his holiness, his righteousness that becomes ours. It's his life unbound by evil, sin, and death that can, by faith and baptism, be ours. Such that we live life no longer for ourselves, but for him and his holy purposes. And it's his Holy Spirit, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, that now gives life, holy life, to our decaying and compromised bodies. And it's this same spirit given to each of us like, like a tendril of grace, the down payment of God's great inheritance that binds us together, that transcends any ethnic or cultural dividing line, that transcends the boundary of life and death that makes us one people. I was watching this week the celebration of life for 
a dear friend of mine who passed away a few weeks ago, Don Lewis. I, I wrote about him in the e-news. I will miss Don. I miss Don. The physical presence of him, the ability to talk to him, our conversations, the hugs that he would give me. But I rejoice in the fact that Don and I continue to share a union. That the Holy Spirit is not undone by death, but has overcome death. Such that Don and I, the, the saints who've passed before us and you and I are drawn together, unified in Christ. We share in him this unbreakable union, this unseverable union. Living and dead, black and brown, old and young, women and men, poor and rich, thoroughbreds and plotters alike. By his grace, Jesus gives us both the gift of himself and the gift of one another. One of the final actions Jesus performs before his death is he gives John and Mary, his mother, to one another as son and mother. And as we come to him in faith, as we receive his Holy Spirit, he does the same for us. Sisters and brothers, sons and mothers, daughters and fathers, all together, drawn in Christ, being made saints. When the saints go marching in, do you want to be in that number? Set your trust upon Jesus. Confess his lordship. Repent and be baptized in his name. He is the how of all saints. The how of your sainthood and mine. Lastly, we come to why. The why of all saints. Both why might we do this? And also to what end? Like for what purpose has God done this in Jesus through the spirit? The Psalm we just prayed, Psalm 149, ends in a pretty weird place. It starts with praise and rejoicing and ends with two-edged swords and vengeance. That language, the language of vengeance, of two-edged swords is harsh to our ears. But the imagery there is simply this cultural language that speaks of the doing of justice, the setting right of wrongs, the restoration of what's been broken by evil. It's language used elsewhere to describe God's own action, God's own project of renewing all things, making new heavens, new earth. So Psalm 149 describes the, the two callings of the saints of God, the praise of Jesus, the one true King, the, the living God, and the pursuit of justice, the restoring of what is wrong. That is what saints do. They worship and they together become a people who participate in God's new creation. That is God's intention. That is God's doing. That you and I would not be distracted today by self-interest, overcome by the pursuit of comfort and security, but that the greater dream of holiness, of goodness for ourselves, for our neighbors, for the world around us would seize us and that we by faith would lay hold of all that Christ has for us and take our place in the great company of saints doing the work of worship and justice. Today is a significant day for those 14 who will be baptized and their families, all of them precious in God's sight, saints in the making. But let it be significant for you as well Seize this all saints. Be seized by the vision God has for our life, for your life. 
participation in him, with him. If you're already baptized, renew your vows this day. Renew your commitment to the way of Jesus. Set your trust freshly in him. And if you've not yet, lay hold of all that Christ has for you. Confess him today as Lord. Why? Because the when of all saints is right now. And the where of it is here today. The what of it is belonging to this great company, greater than we can imagine. And the how of it is oh so simple. Set your trust in Jesus. Why? That the who of all saints might include you and all the treasures of Christ would be yours. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm gonna pray for us real quick. Gracious and almighty God, we lift ourselves to you this day. And we ask that your Holy Spirit would draw us further up and further in into your life. Wherever we are at in terms of faith, wherever we are at in terms of our confidence in you, Jesus, would you by your Holy Spirit draw us further up and further in, closer to you, O Lord. And would you set our trust more and more today and in the days to come upon you, O Lord. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.